a suitably muted welcome. Thank you. If you've got a Bible with you, then if you want to aim for John chapter 10, that's where we're going to base ourselves this morning. It's a, a famous chapter with a famous idea of Jesus being the good shepherd, God being our good shepherd. And if you've looked carefully around the room, you might have seen some sheep in the building already, and they're going to play their part a little bit later to help us understand what Jesus is saying to us in this passage. But this idea of God being our shepherd or leaders being shepherds is not something new that Jesus is introducing here. It's a very familiar idea to the people of Israel, to God's people, to the Pharisees who Jesus is speaking to. It's an idea that's mentioned in frequent places. We see it um, in Ezekiel 34. We have here David and Moses, famous leaders of God's people called shepherds. And in Psalm 80, verse 1, God himself is called the shepherd of his people. Now, there's another psalm which mentions that God is our shepherd. Now, if anyone was in kids' life a couple of weeks ago, you might know the answer to this question. Does anyone know what the psalm number was? What's the psalm number where God is called our shepherd? Anyone know? Oh, lots of thinking going on. Aiden. Tw- psalm, it might be Psalm 19, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of a really famous one. Anyone know? Elsie. Psalm chapter 1, verse 12. That might also be a really good one. But if you were in Kids Life a couple of weeks ago, rather than this week, you guys are so good at this week, there's a really famous psalm at the back. Eliza and Annie. 23. (laughs) Took a bit longer than expected, but we got there. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll lack nothing. He leads me to pastures green. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This idea of God being our shepherd is familiar throughout the Bible. And then in Isaiah 40, we're just going to actually go to this text, that text if that's all right. Isaiah 40 and verse 11, it says this about God. He tends his flock like a shepherd. This is verse 11. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. It's a familiar image. God as our shepherd. And so when Jesus introduces this concept and uses himself, for the Pharisees, this is not something beautiful and lovely. This is something blasphemous and dangerous. Jesus He's putting himself as God before them. Which is why at the end of this chapter, we will see they're quite annoyed. They want to stone him and kill him. He's being provocative. So today, yes, we're going to look at this beautiful image of God as our shepherd. But also, my prayer is we allow this text to be provocative to us in the same way that Jesus was to the Pharisees here. He wanted to provoke a reaction. He wanted to provoke a decision. 
He wanted people to choose to follow him. And that's what this text is for us today, to enjoy this beautiful, encouraging image, but be to be provoked afresh to follow the good shepherd. So we're going to go section by section and pull a few things out that I believe God wants to say to us today. But let's start by praying, shall we? Father, I thank you we don't have to be in tip-top condition, super zealous, firing all synodists to be used by you or to hear you or to meet with you. Thank you we can come to your words in whatever state we are and you want to meet with us and you want to change us and you want to call us to follow you. So help us listen today. Help us hear deep in our heart the shepherd's voice. And Lord, I pray you'd help me to communicate all that you would have to say today. Amen. Let's start in verse 1 then. I tell you the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Anyone who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. For us here today, we've got some clarity in what Jesus was saying, but the, for the Pharisees don't see this as clearly. Jesus is saying, I'm the shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm God. I'm the one you should be following. Pharisees, you are thieves and robbers. And the real true sheep are the ones who know the shepherd's voice, the one who hear God and the ones who follow him. And Jesus straight away is essentially saying, you don't recognize God's voice through me, so you're not really his sheep. And maybe they don't understand or maybe they're choosing not to understand because it's such a provocative message. And I want to start with a provocation by asking this, are you one of Jesus's sheep? Whether you're two or 102, are you one of Jesus's sheep? Do you recognize his voice? Do you follow him? Are you listening to him? We'll come back to that later on. But at the end of these verses, it's not clear to the Pharisees what Jesus is saying. They did not understand what he was telling them. So verse 7, therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. 
Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. To help us get into this text, I'm going to have a little bit of support from a few of the people. And I'm going to invite Liam, my little shepherd friend, to come and stand in the middle of the aisle for me, if that's all right. He has got his staff, the obligatory tea towel and dressing gown, and he's ready to help us this morning. Okay, don't milk it too much, Liam. Come on. <laughs> so this is our shepherd for the day. Careful of your, 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 your belt, shepherd. You might trip on it. It's a bit loose. Yeah, lo locate it centrally or tie it up. Health and safety, risk assessment done. <laughs> so Jesus says he's the good shepherd, but actually... What he's saying here is, first of all, I am the gate. So, Liam, I'm going to ask you, using all your artistry and acting ability, to move from being a shepherd to being a gate, if you may. Thank you. <laughs> right. Now, if you are a sheep, or you're dressed as a sheep, or you bought a sheep, or because you have such a gift of mime, you're able to become a sheep right now. You're, you're totally welcome to come down the middle aisle and come and be stopped by the gate. So if I know Jairus and Lily have dressed up as sheep. I know a couple of people have brought sheep. Now's the time to come and be those sheep. Well done, Eloise. Don't go past the gate though, because the gate is stopping you from coming in. That's it. There we go. So Jesus says this. He says, I am the gate. We get quite excited about Jesus' I am statements, don't we? I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Really exciting. And he says this, I am the gate. Not that exciting, is it? We don't, you don't quote that to your friends as a means of evangelism, do you? Jesus says, he is the gate. And people will go, yes, I want to follow him. He's the gate. Well, he says he's the gate. But what does this gate guarantee? Let's have a look. I'm the gate. Whoever's, whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. So gate, could you let the sheep in to the pen, please? Sheep, would you like to come into the pen? Thank you. Feel free to make sheep noises as you come. Not you lot. If you've not bothered to get dressed up or bring a sheep, you cannot be a sheep. Now, if you want to come down and be here, you can. Hello, little sheep. Well done. If you sit there quietly and listen, Finley, I love your nose. That is just so cool. Well done, you. So we've got the sheep. They've come in. The gate now closes. And they are saved. They're kept. That's it. Keep that thief and robber out. <laughs> the, the gate is closed. These are safe. They're saved. Such things. I love this gate. Salvation. Green pasture. Life to the full. Coming through the gate brings us these things. Coming to Jesus brings us these things. Now, salvation. The word here is sozo. 
It means this, to preserve, to keep safe from danger, from loss and from destruction. You see, without Jesus, what we are destined for is destruction, for loss, for danger, and for damage. Jesus saves us from these things eternally. Jesus rescues us. John 14, 6 says this, you can only come to the Father through Jesus. Jesus is the only gate. You see, your works and your efforts and your energies are never going to get you saved. You can try as hard as you want to be good enough for God, but you're never going to be good enough. You can look to prophets and spiritual guides. They're not going to get you there. You can look to meditation and trying to enter into a new spirit world. They're not going to get you saved. Jesus is the gate. Jesus brings us salvation. He is the only one who can guarantee that for us. Jesus, he's unique. And we'll find out later how he brings about that salvation. But it also, the gate brings these things, green pasture and, immediate, and then into life in all its fullness. And I'm going to make the same point for these two things. Now, sheep, are you listening to me? I've got a challenge for you. Are you ready? Go and find green pasture. Go and find green pasture. It's gone crazy, isn't it? Sheep, come back. Come back, sheep. Come back, sheep. I want to make a very profound point. We are sheep. And as you have so wonderfully demonstrated, sheep don't really know where green pasture is. That's not their job. They don't need to know. If they want to find green pasture... They have to follow the shepherd. Shepherd, would you lead the sheep to green pasture, please? The shepherd's going to lead them to green pasture. You guys are going to listen to me, Bobby, just rather than be distracted by the cuteness and the, uh, the shepherd warming to his role. It's simple. But I tell you something, it is controversial because we think we know where green pasture is. We think we know what the best thing is for us. And we often wander into different places, different situations, believing that we know. But fundamentally, my friends, we are stupid sheep. In the grand scheme of things, in the sovereignty of God, compared to that, in eternity, with the perspective that God has, actually, let me say this humbly, we're stupid sheep. I'm a stupid sheep. I don't know where green pasture is. Psalm 23, he leads us to green pasture. He leads us beside still water. He does it. Sheep, we need to follow the shepherd if we want to find green pasture. And green pasture Living life to the full, what does that look like? What is it really? Let me encourage you to use your imagination now. If I say to you, can you imagine 
what life to the full would be like. Can you imagine? Just close your eyes for a second. What would your life be like if it was lived to the full? I don't want to suggest anything or what that could be like, but just imagine it. Living life to the full, as Jesus promises is possible here. Now, I don't know what you're imagining, and I don't need to know, but when I did this exercise with myself, do you notice what happened? A lot of what I, thinking about, I was thinking about was an increase in my comfort. Did that happen with you? You imagine life the full and maybe life got a bit easier? Life got a bit better in our understanding of what that means? We can often look at this and think, yeah, Jesus promises life to the full and we interpret it as we get a better life. Well, this promise, my friends, is valid for us, but it's valid for every Ukrainian Christian at this point in time. And neither you or I can promise them a better life. So what does it mean then? What is Jesus promising us? Now, I'm sure, I know you're thinking this, there's some eschatological realisation in this. I'm sure you were thinking that. Yeah? In other words, some of what Jesus has promised here can only be realised when we see him face to face in heaven. But I believe there's some of that that can be drawn down now. And I want us to skip back to Isaiah 40. What does it mean to live life to the full? I'm not going to give you an absolute definition because to be honest, I don't know exactly what Jesus is meaning. But I know that it has to be something to do with this. Isaiah 40, verse 11. So he tends his flock like a shepherd. And he gathers the lambs, or in this case, a singular lamb, into his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. What does life to the full look like? I don't know what it looks like for you, but for every single one of us, there's a promise that God will lift us, he will carry us, and he will put us close to his heart so that we can hear his very heartbeats, the life of God felt in our very existence. The promise of God as a good shepherd is this, he is big enough, he is strong enough to carry you in any and every circumstance. I can't promise you that green pasture is going to mean that your life looks better or easier or more comfortable, but I can promise you this, it's all to do with proximity, closeness, and the tenderness of a shepherd who wants to pick you up and gather you in his arms and hold you close. We've heard this morning a few contributions and, and Gavin talking about being picked up and kissed. Children get kissed by their parents. We've heard um, Peter talking about children being picked up and washed. God wants to do that with us this morning. 
He wants to pick us up and embrace us and kiss us and wash us. Now, sheep, you're doing a great job. I've got one more task for you in a minute, so just stay there for a second. And we're going to move on to verse 11 and look at what that has to say for us. Verse 11 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and they shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life no one, only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. What makes Jesus the good shepherd? It's not that he provides green pasture or that he gives us life to the full. Is that he lays down his life. Now, I just want to illustrate this again. So I need a couple more volunteers. I need a wolf. Anyone feeling particularly aggressive? Alex, you look very aggressive. Come and be my wolf. I need a hired hand. Andrew, you need to be really scared and run away in a second. Are you ready for that? Okay. So we've got the good shepherd here. Hired hand, could you stand next to the good shepherd, please? And what Jesus is saying is that he is the good shepherd and not the hired hand. Two totally different reactions to when danger comes. Dangerous wolf, please can you attack the sheep and try and steal one? So the hired hand, oh, oh good shepherd. You, oh, let's try it. Let's try that again. Alex, Alex wolf. Alex the wolf, come back. Right. Just pause the tape, rewind, we'll go again. You may or may not tell that we've not rehearsed this. So, he's going to attack, you run, you defend. Yep, lay down your life. Yeah, yeah, okay. Wolf, attack, hired hand, run. Good shepherd, lay down your life. Get him, get him. Take him, take Liam, take Liam. That's it, and now Wolf, you're dead. Wolf, go away. Thank you, Wolf. Fantastic. Lay down his life. Right. Sheep, you've done a fantastic job. Can you go and sit back with your, uh, your parents? And Shepherd. Well done, Shepherd. Thank you very much indeed. I'm hoping the comedy has not removed the poignancy here. The good shepherd does not run away when danger comes, when the enemy comes, when attacks come. He's not a God who, who leaves you alone and abandons you in the toughest and most difficult times. He's, he's the shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep. Romans 5.8 says this. 
while we were still sinners, while we were dirty, while we were messy, while we had done nothing to deserve any attention of the perfect and righteous God, Christ died for us. The good shepherd laid down his life for us. I wonder, have you got used to this idea? If you've been coming along regularly for years and years, I wonder, have you got used to this idea? Yeah, Jesus, he's a good shepherd. He lays down his life. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Might sing about that occasionally. I can feel some of that myself. I've got used to this ridiculous, awesome, crazy concept that a perfect and righteous God who can have nothing to do with sin, in his very nature, needs to punish with his wrath the sinful ones. the very same chooses to lay down his life for the mucky and the messy and the messed up and the disturbed and the non-zealous. For you, for me, for the oldest person in the room here, for the youngest person in the room, he's laid down his life. Salvation, green pasture, life to the full. How is it possible? Because the righteous Son of God chose willingly to go to the cross for you and me to bear our punishment, our pain, our suffering. To take the stripes that we deserve in order that we can be healed, to be punished in order that we can go free. To die in order that we might live that life to the full. The good shepherd is good because he lays down his life for you and for me. We're just going to read the last few verses, make one point, and then we're going to wrap up. So verse 19. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered round him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hands. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and, my, and the Father are one. 
Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said to them, I've shown you many great miracles from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any of these, replied the Jews, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I've said you are gods? If you call them gods to whom the word of God came and the scripture cannot be broken, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because I said, I am God's son. Do not believe me unless I do what my Father does. But if I do it, even though you do not believe me, believe the miracles that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Here he stayed, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a miraculous sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. Our biggest chunk, possibly my shortest point. Jesus is dividing the people. He's demon-possessed. He's raving mad. He's healed the eyes of the blind. What he says intrigues us. He couldn't, couldn't be, be demon-possessed if he does, does these things. Jesus' response is to say, my works should be enough. But Jesus recognizes this. There are sheep that belong to him, and there are sheep that don't. There are sheep that recognize his voice and sheep that don't. The Pharisees, many of them don't believe because they weren't his sheep. In this room today, online today, let me ask you this question. Are you one of Jesus's sheep? Do you recognize his voice? You may be five, 55, 105. Jesus is calling sheep to follow him today. And today, some of you are hearing the voice of the good shepherd for the first time. Some of you online have logged in for the first time and Jesus is calling your name. He's affecting you deep in your soul. In this room, the same thing is happening. The voice of the shepherd is calling his sheep. And previously, you weren't a sheep of his flock. But this morning, you can join his flock. You can become a follower of Jesus. You can become part of his flock. You can come to him, as John was encouraging us. Come to this magnificent Savior, the one who has rescued, the one who has saved. Come to him. And there are others in the room today, there are others online today, and you know you're one of his sheep. But you've wandered. You've gone astray, like it says in Isaiah 53. In fact, you think you've worked out 
what good and green pasture looks like. So you've chosen to seek it out yourself. And you're like the sheep that so helpfully demonstrated what happens when we do that. Actually, we get lost. We don't know where green pasture is. And if we follow the shepherd, green pasture is going to look very different to what we expect it to look like. But it will be refreshing and it will restore our soul. Because fundamentally, it's following Jesus. Fundamentally, it's being with Jesus. Fundamentally, it's being close to him and being carried by him. And he will take us to places that we never dreamed of. One, because they're so amazing in terms of what he does. But two, because we never expected to find ourselves there. In a different part of the world, in a different job to what we expected, in a different friendship group, serving in a different way in church life, doing things in school that we didn't expect to do, suddenly starting things amongst our friends that we didn't expect to do because it would be too hard or too difficult, or too challenging, or we'd ruled ourselves out, or we discounted ourselves because we thought we weren't zealous enough or mature enough. But as we follow the shepherd and listen to his voice, he's going to take us to exciting and difficult new places. He's going to take us to challenging and rewarding new pastures. But most of all, he's going to pick us up. He's going to carry us and let us hear his heartbeats as we follow him, the good shepherd, wherever he takes us.